This video is sponsored by QuirkChat. Founded by a black woman, QuirkChat is a brand new social media app specifically designed for you to find nerdy friends, talk about all things fandom, and keep in touch with people you meet after conventions. You can create polls, and there is a neat 15-second component called quips where you can ask questions like, why are people still sleeping on One Piece? Or are we going to keep pretending that Yu-Gi-Oh! was actually good? <laughs> and you can get video responses in turn. Download QuirkChat right now on iOS. That's Q-U-I-R-K-C-H-A-T. Blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D-P-O-U-P. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. And you can find us on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. Find us on Blur.com, our partners. Cool website full of nerdy content from a black cultural lens. I am your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Draper. What's up? Nothing much, man. Just glad to be back on the show. Yeah, it's been a long, long time. You you went back to the states a little bit. Yeah, I was. Uh, I've been traveling a bit, so I mean, I'm currently back in Ukraine, but I was in other parts of Europe and the United States for a period of time. So um, the show was on break, and I kind of like missed uh, hearing from from you know all of you, uh, but I also missed joining in. So it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. We have a very a very uh, spicy show for you, a very seasoned show. Uh, I say that because I don't know if, how it is in the Ukraine, but um, I just got my Lowry seasoning salt in the mail. I ran out, and I was telling my, my white coworkers at school that I was excited to go home and, and cook with it, and they were like, what's that? Oh, and man. I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I got a, a coworker from Australia, and she was like, we don't really have any other kinds of salt there. Um, and then my coworker in the UK has like a chicken salt, but they had never heard of seasoning salt. They're like, I can't even picture what this is about. So that was crazy. They've never heard of seasoning. No, I, I can say that here in Ukraine and um, and in the the Caucasus region, uh, they they got a little bit of flavor. You know what I'm saying? Okay. they I mean, like when I go to the supermarket, it's it's like mostly all european people here right but like you go to the yeah. sp spice rack and it's just like they got like the the corianders and the cumins and like everything else like that so uh they they know how to and and sometimes like i'll go out on the balcony in my apartment and i i'd be smelling other people's cooking i'd be like oh no they got mm. the sauce today you know what i'm saying so <laughs> uh so I, I i don't know if it's exactly the same thing as it would be like in australia or something uh, but but for sure, like uh, I, I'm used to having a, a good set of spices here. I uh, we have some friends over across the pond. Uh, another blurred podcast, the Nerd Alternative. I I should ask them about their their uh, seasoning adventures over there. For sure. All right, back on topic <laughs> today. We're going to talk about news that caught our attention, like the reveal of Jordan Peele's new movie, T Pain's rant about hip hop the Switch versus the Steam Deck. But first things first, the show has turned three years old. Yay. Yeah. Um, I just want to thank everyone who helped make this possible. My guests, Blur.com, and of course, the listeners out there. It actually turned three in June, 
I wanted to have a comeback show with E3, Loki, and more, but over here things have been a bit complicated. I've had some COVID scares at work. It really hit too close to home when I was preparing the Black Widow review. Some of you may have seen on IG that I was on multiple Korean news sites for standing in line at a test center hotspot wearing this uh, industrial dust mask. I actually thought I was going to be able to see it in theaters, but I watched it right after I tested negative, luckily. Now, I know you got vaccinated, uh, Draper. I've since gotten the Pfizer vaccine shot uh, this past Saturday. Pretty painless in case anyone was on the fence about it. I'm expecting the next one to hit me a little harder in the middle of August, so I'll check in there. Pfizer gang. That's right. Speaking of dates, I do want to briefly go over some anniversaries that we missed. De La Soul is Dead turned 30 in May. That's one of my favorite rap albums of all time. I feel old. I remember cruising in my mom's Ford Windstar, listening to that album and the greatest hits of Gangstar, trying to find a job at GameStop when I was like 18 years old. Good times. Yeah, man. Gangstar, too. I mean, he's, you know, um, Guru was alum. You know, he's Morehouse alum. So, you know, got to oh, give, okay. give a yeah, shout out right. to him. For sure. Yeah, I've been bird listening to Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4, and I heard Oodles of O and Mass Appeal. And once I heard those two tracks, like my CD collection was kind of mixed of hip hop and rock and electronic. But after those two albums I bought, I bought, it was all rap for like <laughs> seven years or something. Yeah. Um, I'm more of an R&B head these days, but like, uh, like for a good few decades i was just nothing but hip-hop so um i, I oh, definitely sure. remember like the the moments where i was like listening to you know these things and you know like you know full clip you know gangstar listening to that you know and then just like going through yes, and sir. like catching all the vibes and stuff yeah for sure yes sir um some other anniversaries terminator 2 turned 30 this month okay Star Fox turned 25 last month. Sonic the Hedgehog turned 30 last month. Okay. And arguably my favorite movie of all time, Aliens, turned 35 this month. Last week, I believe. That's dope. And Spirited Away, for all our anime heads out there, Spirited Away turned 20 this month. Crazy, I can't really comment on that because uh, I've never seen it. Never Really? really been an anime person, but yeah. I'm gonna send you some stuff, man. I will. But Miyazaki is—he's like the the less problematic Walt Disney of Japan. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I mean, I know that like he's got like this legendary fan base, and he's like I've, every time I've seen like an interview, I've seen more interviews of him than I have actually seen of his work. He mm-hmm. seems like a super legit, like cool old guy, you know, who's like really passionate. So like, I mean, I'll eventually like if you if you send something to me, I'll probably you know give it a watch. But like, I've just been—it's never really been like my go-to in the, in yeah, the for entertainment and stuff. Yeah, if you, I'll send you Princess Mononoke because even the the English voice casting has like Jada Pinkett Smith in it, and uh, was it Billy Crudup, the guy who who's uh, Doctor Manhattan, in the Washington so, movie? So are you uh, more of a uh, what is it? The you're not a, a, a subtitles guy? person. You, you you're okay with dubs. Back in the day, 
I was watching dubs primarily. And when I first saw Mononoke, I watched it dubbed. But I've watched it sub too. Man, I have the DVD. I've watched them both. But just because it has such an all-star cast, I believe Julian uh, Anderson, Scully, she's the voice of like a giant wolf god in that thing. Uh, Keith David is a voice. So just, just because of that sheer pedigree, I was like, I might as well just watch it in this. Because they're really good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Keeping on with dates, let's jump to the future with Jordan Peele as he has released the poster for his upcoming film, Nope, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Steven Yeun, and Kiki Palmer. It's slated to release July of 2022. And I think this is the best title he's made so far. Um, Nope carries a different uh, connotation in black culture. Uh, For sure. My favorite use of it is by Lana in Archer. Nope. Yep, exactly. That's <laughs> uh, I use that uh, that animated GIF all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, when something crazy, for those who don't know, for our non-black listeners at home, when something crazy is about to happen or is happening, we're right there with a big nope. It reminds me of Eddie Murphy's classic stand-up about if black people starred in horror films. Right. Like if if Denzel Washington starred in Jurassic Park, you know, hey, would you would you like to go to an island full of dinosaurs? Nope. Credits. <laughs> um Jaws starring Billy D. Williams. Chief, that shark has killed too many people and was strong enough to destroy part of our dock. You gotta get out there and kill it. Nope. We just need to get everybody <laughs> out the ocean. <laughs> like, was that that hard? Anyway, um, a lot of people are trying to guess what this new film is about. And I don't know about you, but the immediate thing that comes to mind when I saw The Flag Tale was Back to the Future Part 2, when Doc gets caught on the flags and gets zapped to the past. You could argue that both of Jordan Peele's movies so far have a theme about crossing over, maybe even transcending with Get Out, why people are trying to become black and transcend their ridiculously conceived notions of limitations and in us the underground dwellers are plotting to cross over into the world above ground and transcend the life of their insanity and eating rabbits so i thought to myself what if peel's next theme for crossover is time travel i think that's a pretty good guess um i i honestly didn't think that um of of doc brown necessarily when i saw that that tail coming out of the cloud uh but i was like kind of hoping like as soon as we as soon as we saw like jordan peele get into like kind of horror you know and then all of the cosmic horror and different things like that i was just like you know what i'd like to see his take on sci-fi so i was i've been hoping for a little bit more of a sci-fi premise um, to to explore a lot of the same themes that, that he's known for exploring. No, totally. I'm totally with you. And this could also, you know, with, with the cloud above the town, it could also be an extraterrestrial ship, right? Right. 
Um, and that also kind of makes me think of District 9, which also has, there's been some news about District 9 uh, sequel as well. But like just having this thing that's covering over this town and that's like everybody that's just true. eventually getting used to it. And it's it's there and then suddenly like it's not a big deal anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wonder about this little town that we see kind of in this valley with, uh, with this cloud hanging over it and something kind of maybe getting pulled into the cloud or whatever else that might be that's a good point district nine that's a good point yeah i tried to analyze where the movie could go based on his previous film's influences like maybe he did a tribute to a big theme from the 60s and maybe us had a big influence from the 70s and so on and so on but honestly every movie he has done has influences all over the place so there's no pinning him down right now i'm just i'm just excited you know we were we were kind of we were trying to kind of speculate with WandaVision but at this point now I'm kind of just I'm just excited to just enjoy the ride yeah and I think with uh with uh I mean he 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 also had the involvement in of course Lovecraft Country which is true had some some controversy regarding its uh its future uh but um yeah but yeah I, I think that and that was kind of a different era a different kind of um uh, time period as well so uh wonder where he's gonna go next if i looked at that you know uh what state do you think that's in if you had to guess Ooh. that 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 um nope uh poster i mean just a well, region of the country do you think i'm gonna guess like the midwest uh, i think i think it's got to be like cali to be honest cali you think so um or yeah i think it's got to be kind of cali i don't see it being on the east coast but or or in appalachia but it definitely seems like a little bit of a valley almost okay. uh the way that the town is situated um and how we're kind of like viewing it from like above um and that gives me very much like cali vibes and i think that that would be um i don't know interesting to to kind of see if that if that that comes through do you remember where us took place because get out was in new york right like, like yeah upstate new york i think uh, and, and um us was us was it could have been california just yeah it was california based on like their the they used to go to the beach it was either california or like the pacific northwest or it was like west coast yeah yeah um, yeah yeah i can't remember exactly which town it was but um didn't seem like you know la but maybe you know northern cal or something else like mm. that yeah i'm just curious maybe he's you know Will he go back to a place again or will he try to go to a new place? We never know. We never know. Or or like Vancouver or something. It could be Vancouver as well. Something like up there because or in British Columbia. I imagine like sure. what if he goes to Canada now instead of just like the United States? True. That's true. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Us wasn't as universally acclaimed as Get Out. I really enjoyed it though, and I'm hoping that he puts out a film that is closer to his debut regarding that universal praise you know yeah i mean i'm not a huge fan of the horror genre but i think that uh jordan peele has an interesting take his his voice has been a welcome one in the genre i think for sure um and you know he he talks about like 
these societal horrors, you know, uh, more than uh, just like uh, using monsters as metaphors or something else like that. Um, he's actually talking about like kind of what's within us and kind of what we're capable of and all these other things, which is very much uh, the reason why I like sci-fi. Sci-fi is very much about like who we are and how we, we would respond in different situations and asking questions about, is this who we want to be? Uh, but I think uh, Jordan Peele's like, uh, take on on horror is very much like uh, rooted in his historical um, happenings and events and different things like that and so um, just like uh, examining those through like an exaggerated lens I think then I wonder if you really would like Miyazaki stuff because he 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 he's he has very human stories not obviously like about you know like overtly sexism or or whatever but he's very fascinated with like consumerism for example and capitalism how we just keep destroying the earth for for stupid reasons and things like that say less okay all right send me send me the vid say less all right i got you all right speaking of universal praise the nintendo switch versus the steam deck by valve let's talk about it all right let's talk about it i got i got some ideas uh with regard to this some some topics some some thoughts yeah um for months there have been rumors about an upgraded switch that could produce 4k graphics with a seven inch oled display and news came from sketchy sites all the way to bloomberg but nothing official from nintendo themselves i actually sold my switch this spring so i could better focus on my license because i thought i could buy the switch pro later i was so convinced it was coming out this year um and then something woke me up late at night and i casually reached my phone and my friend messaged me with check youtube now this was far better than my friend spoiling e3 for me when i woke up because at that time as soon as i turned on my phone to watch the nintendo direct my notifications blew up like the kool-aid man crashing into the wall with metroid dread i was just like thanks for ruining the surprise y'all yeah i i think that is better i mean it's just like wake up you need to check something you know Get your yes. get your engine started, boss. Yeah, thank you, folks. Please, if you're ever gonna reach out to me or the page, and you're not sure I've seen something, you know, just 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 tell me. Check check YouTube, check Instagram or something. Check Twitter. Okay. Anyway, the OLED version. The more I watched this video, the more disappointed I became. Um, I want to talk about the good stuff first. Um, I, I would ahead. say that uh, you, I think. Uh, I would, I would be, I would like to be in your position, uh, to be perfectly honest, um, because you, you went ahead and and sold the switch, and you were just like, I'm getting a new switch this fall. I'm selling this one. Boom. So like, for me, I would say like I would rather be in that position than still having a switch and then trying to consider whether or not this next one is something that I'm gonna buy. If I had the switch right now, I would not buy this new switch at all. Um. The problem with me right now is that if I put my account on this new Switch, all my save data from like Splatoon 2, which is the game I really play the most, I mean, my Switch is pretty much a Splatoon 2 machine, um, it would be lost. I would have to like possibly go to my friend's place who I sold my Switch to and like do the NFC data transfer. It might work, but we'll see. But yeah, go, go ahead. 
So wait, do you do you have uh what do you call it um hardware games or are you all digital? Most of my games are digital, but there's no cloud save for Splatoon, which is stupid. But but don't you have a uh, game save data on your memory card or no? I think for that game it's not on the on the the external. It's on the internal memory that I, that oh, I have. Okay. Yeah, it sucks. That does suck. But yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Let's get to the, the good stuff about this OLED. So anyone who has an Android phone from the past few years or iPhone Pro would know how nice OLED panels are. They are more battery efficient and the colors pop better than LCD, which regular iPhone users have. And the regular Switch screen has, obviously. The new Switch also has a dedicated LAN port, which is needed for online games like Smash and Splatoon. It also has enhanced audio and the kickstand is also really great. The internal storage has doubled from 32 gigabytes to 64 gigabytes, which still seems small in comparison to Sony and Microsoft, and it is, but I do want to add some context. Nintendo games are often under 8 gigabytes. Did you know this? Uh, I did not know this. Um, I don't really, I just buy the biggest memory card I can stick in there and just all digital. I download everything digital. Uh, And like... When whenever I bump up against an upper limit, I'm just like, oh, I got to go get a new card or, you know, got to decide what to archive right now, you know, or whatever else it might be. But um, I I don't really think about like how many games on there divided by like a 256 gigabyte card Mm -hmm. and this, that and the other. But yeah, you said uh, how how big are they? So Super Mario Odyssey is 5.6 gigabytes. Um, my favorite game, Splatoon 2, is 6.1 gigabytes. Zelda is the exception, with it being about 14 gigabytes. Third-party AAA games typically are the biggest files. Uh, NBA 2K1, seri- uh, that series, are the biggest. 2K1 was over 40 gigabytes, for example. Damn. Yeah, right? So if you play everything... You'll still need to get a micro SD, but if you only play Nintendo first party and any titles, then you'll probably still need to get an SD card because there are just so many good games on this system. But yeah. Um, I honestly bought a memory card the same day that I bought the Switch, like when yeah. it Switch launched in Korea or whatever. Um, and I, I just said, yeah, give me the memory card. Give me this. Give me this. And just like, I'll grow into it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I know that I'm going to use that data. Uh, or that that, sure. that capacity, so. Yeah. So here's my issue with this new Switch. This is pretty much what the Switch should have been from the beginning, just like the DS Lite is what the DS should have been from the beginning, just like the new 3DS XL should have been the 3DS from the beginning. Now, you said this in the group chat. You know, I got a lot of hours, literally 2,000-plus hours out of my OG Switch, but there is that bad taste in my mouth that Nintendo doesn't treat its day one fans well, that just a few years down the road, they're going to put out a better version of the hardware they marketed so hard for us to buy, hardware that they swear won't get reiterated upon. They lied to us about the 3DS, and now with the Switch. I mean, I, I, I see it a little bit differently. I think, you know, like economies of scale uh, provide them a, a, an opportunity to... I mean, if you're going to manu- if you're going to continue manufacturing and selling switches, right? 
um, the factories are just like, yeah, we don't want to make these LCD screens anymore. <laughs> you know, like we're only going to be producing like OLED going forward. And so they're like, all right, well, we'll come out with a new version of our switch that has upgraded panels and we'll fix, you know, a lot of the, you know, uh, things that people had a problem with, you know, the kickstand being flimsy and weak. That was the worst. That was the absolute worst. Um, and you know, all of these, you know, other things like where uh, all of our games. So we, we have some games now that are going to require a LAN connection. Okay. Like all of these other things, we'll add that to our dock or whatever else it might be. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if they're going to like in there, how long has the switch been out? When did it come out? 2017. Okay. So this is what five, five, no. Um, how many years is it? Four, four years, four years, now. four years. You know, I think that, uh, Nintendo can't really um, predict uh, the supply chain and the way that the supply chain will change in the next four years with regard to and with regard to their their um, suppliers and different things like that. The, I mean, like life comes at you fast, even for 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 manufacturers. So the kickstand, um, though. I mean, no, the kickstand never should have. I mean, like that was always the biggest mistake. That was always the biggest WTF about the, the switch. Uh, but um, because there were other products at that time that had like the what was it? The, um, the, the surface, Microsoft the Surface you know, had a decent kickstand on it, a really good kickstand on it. And so they had other models and other like uh, things to look at and just say, yeah, let's probably put a kickstand like that on there. Uh, but they didn't. And that was that was always the bad thing. But for me, uh, four years down the line, uh, I look at this and I say, you know what, I, I would, you know, start thinking about whether or not I need a new switch. I don't play in handheld mode very often. Mine is almost always on a dock. Um, so it's now I'm thinking like, well, that, that screen isn't really going to do me a lot of good. So, hmm. Yeah. Nintendo doesn't sell its consoles at a loss like Sony and Microsoft. They also rarely lower their prices of their first party software. Breath of the Wild is a four-year-old game and it's still 60 bucks. Skyward Sword is a 10-year-old game. It's getting a fresh coat of paint and it's 60 bucks. $10 more than the original game was with yeah. some with some quality of life improvements tied to an amiibo like it's uh, it's it's so frustrating no i mean i agree that like nintendo is uh the worst when it comes to the pricing of their games um their first party titles basically is what keeps people on the platform uh, sure. And coming back, you know, platform, I mean, like upgrade after upgrade, whenever there's a new system or console, uh, they're going to come back for those first party titles. Um, and, you know, like there is some, you know, ingenuity, some some creativity as it relates to gameplay and different things like that, that they could um, that Nintendo does that nobody else will risk. Um, but but honestly, at this point, like games are just way too expensive you know like i'm i buy like maybe a few you know first party titles at that you know uh 60 60 price point and then i like you know just play around with indie titles that are a little bit cheaper inside of the e uh shop and everything else like that because this is like i can't buy like these you know triple a you know third party titles and everything else like that you know month after month after month where it's just like i don't even have enough time to get 60 dollars worth of play out of this thing to to be perfectly honest that's why the game pass idea is it's a great it's a great idea um yeah i just 
you know, you say you don't want to spend so much money, but the Switch has such a high attachment rate that it's unfortunate that Nintendo doesn't kick its customers a bone. So, I mean, they made billions last year. Yeah, but see, the the deal is with their eShop, they um they have agreements with retailers that they can't change the price on these things and you know and they will never sell it for lower than you know the shops are selling it for in in retail so it it requires a lot of moving parts for them to be able to offer someone a break and they can't necessarily just say oh our long-term customers who've been with us for a long time we're going to offer you this because then retailers will get pissed off so it did have that 3ds ambassador program if i recall though like because when they when they first bought it at a exorbitant price and people were like nope <laughs> the, the folks who who did buy it day one they got like two free games at some point I, if i'm not forgetting the ambassador program they, they had yeah and i think that might be um the way to go because it's not like a break in pricing but it would just be like we're just going to give you some free titles uh that yeah. might be a way that they could um have some goodwill especially with a lot of their um long-term users and huge fans um i i really like that idea um and it could be um just you know credits in the store for you know uh two titles or it could be um you know something else you know um just vouchers or codes or something totally wrapping up on this i think a real pro is coming possibly next year I think there was too much smoke around the 4K-capable Switch for there not to be a fire. I think it will probably be released alongside Breath of the Wild 2. Not as an exclusive, but with exclusive features like performance mode. I would I would say that that would be a bigger slap to the face than you know releasing this version of the Switch four years later. Um, for me personally, like say for instance, the people that did buy this Switch and then next year they just come out with a, a Switch Pro, that to me would be a bigger slap in the face. I would feel more upset about that than, you know, four years later releasing something that has slightly better hardware. Well, I'm skipping around a little bit. Um, if you look at Nintendo's history, they iterate a lot. The, you have the DS, the DS Lite, the DSi, the DSi XL. There's the original 3DS, the 3D XL came out a year later, followed by the 2DS, I think a year after that. Then you have the 3DS, the new 3DS XL, and the new, oh my God, these names, the new 2DS XL. So I, go, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say that like, I mean, it's interesting what Nintendo has done with, you know, the Switch because, uh, I would say that like all of that variation and all that iteration came with their uh, mobile gaming platforms um, and not really their console games. Their console games were like very spread out. Their consoles were very, very uh, spread out. Uh, But now that they've kind of converged console with mobile gaming, uh, now the the main console uh, is maybe perhaps going to get some growing pains uh, with regard to this iteration strategy. Yeah, I'm very curious how the market's going to receive it. Because like I said, I think Breath of the Wild 2 will get like a performance mode for this Switch, this new Switch, the Switch Pro. For for example, it'll be able to run 4K at 30 frames per second or 1080p or even 14 
40p at 60 frames per second. And I assume other flagship games like Metroid Prime 4 will have similar capabilities baked into it from now on. Like, we could get patches for older games, but we'll see. Automatic um, upscaling. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I just think... I think it's important for Nintendo to not get left behind, like what happened with other systems from the GameCube all the way to the Wii U. I mean, even the 64, right, because of its cartridge capacity limitations got um, kind of swept to the side for the PlayStation. So I don't think Nintendo wants to kind of blow that that lead they have because they've been the best-selling console for like 30 weeks straight or something like that, like crazy, crazy amount of time. So yeah, I think if you guys have an OG Switch, and it's working fine, I would encourage you to wait. Because I honestly think, if you if you do want to upgrade at some point, I think that Switch XL or that Switch Pro is really coming. On the subject of better, the Steam Deck. Uh, better for some. Yes, yes. And I'll, I'll get to that too, yeah. I think um, it's hard to compare this to the Switch, which is this direct competitor kind of sort of... The Switch is only about as powerful as an Xbox 360 or PS3, whereas the Steam Deck's power is closer to, but not quite on par with the Xbox Series S, which is still about two generations above the Switch. It's certainly less powerful than the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, but apparently it can handle just about any resource-heavy game so far, like Control, at 30 frames per second. The resolution on the screen will be 720p, like the Switch, though it can be docked for higher res performance about that dock well they said that it can be docked but they also said that you can just plug a usb c port into it and put it on your on your monitor as well so that's pretty cool i was just saying that there is no dock at this time there won't be a dock when it launches they're they're thinking about like when we're going to release a dock uh and so for me that is just like hmm okay yeah i wonder what that would that dock be extra computing power to kind of upscale or like yeah, maybe I'm, have, some, I'm wondering have some vents in it? If it's going to have like a different, uh, you know, a discrete graphics card or something in it that like basically boosts things so that like it'll be easier to see it in 4K and, you know, run exactly. without, you know, dropping frames or something. First, can I get your general thoughts on the Steam Deck? Are you interested in buying one? I, I'm not interested at all. You know, I'm not interested in buying one at all. With all the opportunity that I've had, I've not really been a computer gamer. I've been like a console gamer like my whole life. And, you know, Nintendo and, you know, even had a, a PSP or something else like that. I like mobile games. I like, you know, console games. I like, you know, like I don't want to invest a whole lot and optimize a whole lot just to sit down and play a game. Uh, so I've never been, really been much of a PC gamer. I have ab- I, right now I have one game in Steam. One game. What's that game? it's not even a game it's uh what was it um it's the game where you i mean it's the it's the title where you like play a guitar i don't know that game okay it's it's like you plug a real guitar in and it basically teaches you how to play oh, guitar yeah i've i've seen it, it it's, it's not it's not guitar hero of course but it's no it's, it's a, not it's guitar hero. Game. it's like yeah, I really name, like yeah. learn how to play a guitar you know that type of thing you plug it into your you know your computer usb uh, so it comes with a cable to, you know, USB to, you know, guitar audio. Uh, and then like, that's the only thing that I bought on steam. Basically that's mm. it. Um, or like I, I redeemed a steam code basically, uh, that came inside of the box with the cable and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know that like a lot of people that have like 
hundreds of games in Steam that they've, you know, like bought or paid for or, you know, have access to. Um, maybe the Steam Deck is like really like a cool idea. It's just like, oh, that's great for me. Uh, but I'm thinking about like with my Nintendo, I rarely play it in, in you know, uh, handheld mode uh, unless like it's I'm really just like killing time playing like Mario Kart with somebody like on a train, uh, you know, or whatever else it might be. Uh, and that's tabletop mode. That's not even in handheld mode. Um, mm. But, you know, otherwise it's always docked and it's always connected to the TV. I think about mm. Steam not really having a dock yet or, you know, that not being sorted out yet. And then I'm also going to need to buy controllers to play it you know uh after it's docked okay say for instance now we have a dock it doesn't have detachable controllers you know that are included in the the steam deck you oh, know that's a so, good point. so now i've got to also buy controllers um and so you don't uh, play with the pro i just controller? look at it huh you don't play with the pro controller for the switch no i don't have a pro controller and i have like a ton of um i have probably like six maybe eight uh different uh joy cons joy cons wow yeah wow um just because like i i actually used it in in some of my classes once and i just like wanted to always have some that were charging and charged and ready to go and then i can swap them out or you know for a four-player game or whatever else it might be so um so yeah i i think i have like eight joy cons uh and no no pro pro controller interesting well yeah i i want to get to my my issues with, with this steam deck number one is the price the starting price is $400 for a system with 64 gigs of memory. The system I would even consider would be the 256 gig variant at $529. But at that point, why not just buy a more powerful PS5 or Xbox? And that because leads me to my second issue. Go, go ahead. I mean, I think, I think that, you know, from the price perspective, uh, the only thing that really like puts me off on that price is that it, I'm going to have to buy controllers at some point. Um, and those aren't necessarily um, available right now, or they're not optimized, or, you know, for whatever. I, I suppose you could use any Bluetooth controller that you would mm. use with your, you know, computer or whatever else like mm. that. But, um, but they're not really optimized. It would be kind of janky. Um, and so it's just like, I'd rather wait for an actual steam controller, you know, that's supposed to use, supposed to be used with this team deck. And, um, but the, from a price perspective, it's just like, if, if I'm the type of person that has, you know, 400 games in steam already, then the steam is a slam dunk. The steam deck is a slam dunk. It's like, I'm, I don't want, I don't want to spend $500 on, on a PlayStation, even though it's higher powered. I want something that I can play my steam games on all of my steam games. So, I mean, for me, the, the price is like, oh, why not just go a 50 bucks up or a hundred bucks up and get yourself a nice PS five or something else like that. I feel like steam probably has a better long-term value just because the games are cheaper than they are on consoles. Maybe. Yes, because the Steam Deck is so underpowered. I mean, granted, the Switch is very underpowered. That's why I'm also worried about it kind of getting left behind. I'm wondering how long Valve can coast on these specs before, because its whole thing is it's a powerful gaming PC with some controllers and buttons attached to it. But gaming PCs upgrade all the time, and developers will like develop f for those specs every year right so i mean obviously steam has a lot of indie games 
But for me, I don't really need a brand new $500 plus system to play indie games on. I already have my Switch for that. Switch has so many indie games on it. And that's kind of leads me to my second point. I don't want to play AAA titles on a small screen. Like when I think of like the PS5, I think of swinging through the city of New York on a big 4K TV at 120 frames per second. You know, even with a game like Control or Doom, I can't see myself playing those on a small screen. It's the Vita problem. Like, yeah, it was powerful, but they tried to sell us AAA games like Uncharted on a small screen. It's like, that's not what I play Uncharted for. It would be like trying to sell me on watching Endgame for the first time on my on my cell phone. Like, no. <laughs> right. Why would I, I, why would I, I get it. why would I do that? Yeah, like, why would I do that when the optimal choice is available and it's either cheaper or comparable in price? So, yeah, I'm also not interested. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly who this is for. It's, it seems like, um, uh, you know, them just releasing something because they could, because I don't even know what the market strategy is for something like this. Are they going to release a new one every year with updated specs? Are they going to do it, you know, like, is, is it going to be commoditized in that way? Or is this something that's supposed to last you a generation of a, a right. gaming generation, you right. know? Um, uh, right now I can't see it, you know, like giving you, um, the performance that you want on titles, you know, two or three years from now. Uh, but w I mean, like with the, with the specs that it has now, despite Steam's claims that it can play anything that you throw at it. No, I totally agree with you. All right. You know who else is not interested? T-Pain. We're a little <laughs> late on this. But uh, T-Pain was in the news for a brief time for ranting about rappers sending him music that he found derivative of the current rap trends. Right. Let, let's, uh, let's have a quick listen, and we'll come back and we'll share our thoughts about that. Do some different music! We have all the shit that you're doing. We already have it. Lil Uzi Vert is already doing it. Lil Baby is already doing it. The Baby is already doing it. It's literally two niggas with Baby in their names that's already doing all the music you want. Do something else. Do something else. That's it. That's all we want. Do something else. Holy shit. We have it. We have it already. You don't have to do that music anymore. We have the music already. We have Lil Baby. We have Dub Baby. We have Lil Uzi Vert. We have Lil Yachty. We have Lil everybody. Do something else. Holy shit. Stop sending me this bullshit. And then get mad when I fucking don't like it. Jesus. God damn tap dancing Christ. <laughs> Do something else. driving him crazy. Yeah, for me personally, over the past couple of years, I don't know about you, there have been some really bright spots, and I've talked about them on the show. But my general interest in rap has started to wane a little bit. I personally haven't felt a great sense of innovation or consistency or even a small progressive reiteration in some time. I'm sorry. Or even a small progressive iteration in some time. Even this year, there have been some projects I've liked, but nothing mind-shattering. How about you? I mean, I, I'm not so much a Cole World, you know, fan of, of Cole or anything else like that. I do like some of the, the, the Dreamville artists, though. 
Uh, I like the vibe. I like, you know, what they're doing. Like, J.I.D. is, like, one of my favorite, you know, new, you know, rappers out there. Everything that he's on, he kind of, like, torches. But I'm also, like, fading back into, you know, like, some boom bap, you know, kind of stuff with the things that Griselda are doing. And my my guy Conway, he's, like, one of my favorites right now. So, um, but, yeah, that's that's basically, like, there's a few spots where I, like, check in and boom, like, all right, I'm going to listen to this. This is interesting for me, hip-hop-wise. But as I said earlier, you know, like, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit more R&B these days than I am, you know, hip-hop. I've, you know, kind of uh, aged up, I suppose. It's funny you mention Boom Bap because T-Pain's ramp made me think of an article that came out in 2018 titled East Coast Boom Bap was the trap music of the 90s. Have you read this article? I didn't read that exact article. All right. Um, It's a spicy take, and I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who are about our age who are probably boiling in their seats right now. Um, I do want to read some parts that I found interesting, and I want to get your thoughts on it. This is written by a gentleman probably a little bit younger than us, but I'm honestly, he may be closer to my age maybe maybe right now by the time he's he's probably right now i guess in his 30s um here we go quote i recently ventured down a rabbit hole revisiting the music of groups like black moon smith and wesson showbiz and ag organized confusion and several others Starting my deep dive on the right foot with Black Moon's Enter the Stage, I was gripped immediately by the album's unmanufactured rawness. After running it back once more, I moved on to Smith & Wesson's The Shining, instantly greedy for more of this feeling. A bit of a longer album, I felt my attention waning toward the bottom third, but I consciously combated this feeling, ultimately deeming it an enjoyable listen. At this point, I let Spotify's algorithm dictate my next recommendation, I hit play on Showbiz and AG's 1999 album, Goodfellas, hoping that a move away from bootcamp click to DIC would reinvigorate my attention span. Unfortunately, in spite of all the record's crafty lyrics and deviations in flow, I couldn't quite keep my mind from wandering. A few hours later, after listening to a couple more albums from this era, I was finally able to pinpoint the problem. My attention kept drifting because so much of this music sounded the same. Now, Before you rush my mentions with hate-filled obscenities, allow me to clarify that this is not a generalization I take lightly. I openly acknowledge that it's broad, overly simplistic, and unconcerned with nuance. And yet, I can't shake the feeling that it's mostly accurate. When I say this music sounds the same, I'm not speaking from a standpoint of thematic consistency or quality. In these regards, the similarities are not at all that striking. I'm speaking strictly from a standpoint of instrumentation. With some notable exceptions, the majority of Songs on these albums feature production that is virtually indistinguishable, marked by repetitive drum patterns, muted samples, and loud percussion that obscures most of the melody. If you're starting to feel your blood boil with anger, hopefully you can appreciate that I've written this in service of a greater point. Greater? Sorry, pop in there. Blurred. As frustrating as it may be to read, a barely informed millennial dismissively generalized years worth of musical output as sounding the same. We're currently living in an era where it's commonplace for people to make these sorts of generalizations all of the time. Notable critics and elder statesmen who often speak about mid-90s boom bap being the pinnacle of rap achievement are now the same people who speak in sweeping terms about how all trap music sounds the same. Forgive me then for speaking out of turn, 
but for a generation of listeners who might bend over backwards to explain the minutia that separated one barely distinguishable Buck Wild production from the next, it seems mildly hypocritical that they're not able to observe the many nuances that separate 2 Chainz music from that of Young Thugs. For as fashionable as it is to complain about the lack of creativity in trap music, it's undeniable that there is more sonic variation observable on Migos' Culture 2 alone than there have been across four or five different boom bap albums from the 90s. This isn't to say that Culture 2 is better than those albums, just that it inarguably plays host to a wider array of sounds. I see Japer smiling over there. You want me to pause? What, 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 do want to, what do you want to say? Nah, I mean, I get it because like even with Griselda and everything that I'm listening to now, like the Derringer production or like the Harry Fraud or whatever like that, it starts to be like, oh yeah, they're using the same pack of tools, you know, and everything else like that when it comes to their instrumentation. And like you can instantly tell like, oh, this is Derringer because like his stuff always sounds like this. This is, you know, Harry Fraud. It always sounds like this or something. So You're definitely totally right. the boom production uh as much as i like uh you know uh conway's lyrics and his wordplay uh i i I definitely am on board when it comes to kind of the production and i think you know let me deviate from the article really quick i'll come back to it but i think just in general just the themes of of what they're talking about i mean yes the wordplay is great but every conway album same i'm rich i sold drugs if you fuck with me i'll kill you i fuck bitches um you know I, I wear drip and I drive I drive nice cars and whatever baller things like it's it's every album same. It's all it's all the same. The ad libs and everything else like that. The ad libs give me hype though, bro. <laughs> no, no, I don't get me wrong. I like these projects, but anyone who's going to try and talk about how this this subgenre is all the same, but can't acknowledge that even back in the '90s, again, all the things were about. I'm a great rapper. I'm a great rapper. I'm so good. Here's why I'm good. Um, and sometimes they talked about, you know, actually using physical violence or whatever. And it, it a lot of the stuff is the same. Like, overall, a lot of stuff is the same. Um, so let me, let me get back to this article because we're almost done. This leads me to believe that the excessive concentration of repetitive boom bap music from this era wasn't so much of a byproduct of circumstance, but rather a series of deliberate creative choices. It's not even a phenomenon that is particularly hard to track. As the boom bap sound gained traction, it produced a snowball effect, becoming the music that listeners wanted to hear and the music artists wanted to make. Artists who were inspired by this music drew on these influences to create similar music, which led to future artists being inspired to create similar music, which led to, you get the point. This cycle simply continued until the culture eventually reached a saturation point. If this doesn't sound familiar yet, it should, because this is also a precise description of what is happening with the current, with the culture's current obsession with trap music. The question of whether society has reached its breaking point just yet is up for debate, but there are certain signs to indicate that we're approaching it. On the other hand, the argument I had made earlier about the production from The Shining being seamlessly transferable to an organized confusion record could apply to any two of the uninspired collaborative trap albums released last year. But on the other hand, new trap music is still being released, consumed with a voracious appetite. And he also goes on to talk about, you know what, let me backtrack and talk about this guy's, this this person's name, Herschel Pandya. And this is on DJ Booth. He also goes on to talk about how the speed of the release cycle, how there's just so much music coming out at such a, a fast pace now, I think is accelerating this process. So we'll see if people get tired of this trap phenomenon the way we, that we tired of the boom bap so 
I thought that was that was that was well written. It was at yeah. least de- definitely thought provoking. I think I think it's a good analog to 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 make. Um, and I think that when when you were taught when he was talking about like uh, the this cycle that kind of continued uh, as this is what people wanted, so this is what people wanted to make, and it went on and on till you reach like kind of a saturation point. Then what happened? Then like oh like a uh, you know West Coast blew up, and then people were just like I, I just want something completely different, you know like it's it's saturated. I can't listen to this anymore because like I it's it's saturated my brain. And then it was the South, and you know so you you have these huge shifts you know in the uh kind of cultural imagination you know when it comes to uh this music that we want to listen to or this music that we want to put at the forefront uh, of the genre of you know the wider genre of hip-hop uh but uh definitely i think um instead of doing that i'd perhaps like uh, a little bit more kind of diversity as far as just like i mean a lot of my favorite artists uh, are the ones that like have kind of reinvented themselves on uh, you know every like you know you talk about organized noise but then you talk about like outcast in particular outcast kind of reinvented themselves on every album and so they took a lot of risks uh as artists um and you know that had to do with the the sonics of their album as well as the the content of their album as well um so uh i would say that uh, we have room for something like that. And th- those are going to be the artists that are always a little bit more compelling for me. Totally. I've written a couple of pieces critiquing rap and where I think it's going. And I included more women and queer artists. And if I'm not mistaken, I said that this would be the year that we start seeing inklings of what is to come. And enter the most talked about artist right now, Lil Nas X. Montero. And recently, this week, the uh, baby, Lil Nas X has blown the doors off of pop as we know with Old Town Road, Montero, and his new single, Industry Baby, which four days after its release has already reached 35 million YouTube views. All three songs are from different genres of music that he appears to ever to uh, appears to handle effortlessly. If this album of his delivers like say cardi delivered in 2018 i think we're going to see more people like him and i think that's great yeah i mean i i think that uh generation z has a lot of potential musically um just because gen z like honestly doesn't give a fuck you know like millennials (laughs) still kind of gave a fuck like they had residual kind of give a fuckness but like gen z really doesn't give a fuck and they're seriously um, doing what they want to do and not listening to anybody that's older than them tell them you can't make this or you have to make it like this. And, you know, they don't have like the label gatekeepers and everything the way that they used to, you know, they're able to kind of release independently and give directly to the fans. And I think this is really gonna give, give a lot of kind of creativity and music. I totally agree. What's been interesting about him is that with a lot of pop songs, non-heteronormative people have had to project themselves onto heteronormative artists like Britney Spears or Ariana Grande or something. But now you're seeing a lot of people, namely women, project themselves on Nas X's song about gay romance because he's still talking about boy, et cetera, et cetera. Like maybe Luther Vandross was gay and may have written songs with men in mind, but he was never open about it. You know, one of his most famous singles, Can I Take You Out, had female pronouns in them. So... I think this great shift of heteronormative projection onto the biggest pop hits of the year 
possibly years to come, it, I think it could be transformative. And if anyone on in my listenership is hating on this, why is he always talking about gay stuff and all that? He, he really ain't. What's about to me, first of all, Old Town Road, I think, had one line in it that he said, if you guys really, really listen, I was talking about this. Montero, the actual visuals, for, for both his new songs, the actual lines in the song don't have a lot of gay stuff in it at all. I think Montero only had the word boy in it in the chorus to just, just to signify that he's talking about a man. And I think Industry Baby had one rap line in it. The, like obviously the the visuals are are obviously queer but the actual songs themselves are pretty general i think that's kind of i don't know if it's genius or not but it helps with that kind of universal projection on on things because what he's talking about especially in this newest song is you know fighting off the haters and prospering despite that that's what a lot of rap songs are about a lot of pop songs are about it's very much the same um what's wild to me is that we're talking about conway and stuff in the rap world if not a lot of genres, mainstream and underground, many artists have been talking about the same things for decades yeah. of their career. I was I was getting ready to say the same thing. It's it's a, a reoccurring theme. Like they didn't believe in me, but you know, I was able to overcome like all the hate and I still keep yeah. an eye on my haters and like this that yeah, yeah it's it's definitely My uh, haters make me more powerful and whatever and yeah. yeah. Um, Pusha T, everyone's favorite rapper. He's been making the same song over different beats for 20 years. Hey, man, <laughs> but he's come a, on, come on, man. Don't, don't, don't get on, on my Doughboy rap. You know what I'm saying? Pusha T, you he know, is, uh, he does, he does, uh, he does talk about, you know, like the, 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 the freeway and the, and the, and the, you know, the white, uh, quite, quite often, but, uh, but he's, he's still, <laughs> you know, a wordsmith, man. Of course. Here's the, here's the thing. I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from him. Even, newer artists like freddie gibbs i like freddie gibbs but you can't you can't tell me that you could switch some songs on different albums and tell me oh that was on that album no 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 that was on that album it's like no like a lot of his stuff sounds the same as far as the as far as the the lyrics and stuff i just if when people try to talk about nas x being having a gimmick or talking about the same things all the time a like i already proved in his lines it's not even there but then if you're going to criticize a man for making two songs not even an album out yet but you're gonna you know celebrate folks like your griseldas and your your put your tees your gibbs and act like that's okay it's okay for them for in their lyrics in every every song talking about who they're fucking and whatever that's all good but then hypocritically talk about nas then yeah get, it's like no stop yeah, I mean, I've seen uh, in the whole uh, the baby uh, th drama that's been happening in the past couple of days since Rolling Loud. Uh, I've seen a lot of people, you know, like it's like even T.I., you know, jumping in and saying, you know, like, you know, you know, Lil Nas X can do his thing and, and we're not going to, you know, if he wants to talk about how gay he is and this, that and the other, that's fine. But then you can't you can't also jump on the baby for for representing being straight or something else like that and it's just like it's not even the same thing you know like you're comparing like right. apples and oranges because he's not talking about like you know himself you know receiving you know gratification from a woman you know or something else like that which is fairly commonplace he's anti you know you know 
other people being able to do what they want, you know, so that's not exactly, exactly the same thing. And that's an argument that I've seen in a lot of like shade room comment, you know, um, threads and everything else like that, you know, like, yeah, you need to keep the same energy. Lil Nas X was, you know, talking about being gay and, you know, keep the same energy for little baby or not little baby, the baby, you know, for. Uh, you know, saying what he said. And it's just like, well, they're not really, you know, doing the same thing here. Not only is maybe talking about he's being homophobic, anti, anti homosexual, but he also brought out Tory Lanez on the stage right after he played his song with uh, his, his song collaboration with Meg The Stallion. Um, so when I talk about this transformation, we have someone like Lil Nas X topping the charts despite his identity and sexual orientation. And we have people like DaBaby getting clowned in drag, Tory Lanez getting clowned in drag. Tory Lanez suffered his lowest first week sales last year after his assault on Megan Thee Stallion. So when I say these little inklings, I'm very curious how things are going to look in 2025 and definitely 2030, where things are going to go. I think it's going to be a different landscape altogether, you know, like sure. uh, honestly, the way that, you know, technology changes from, you know, year over year um, and what becomes like normalized and, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's it's super duper easy, you know, to have like a touchscreen now, whereas before a touchscreen was a huge novelty. You know, I think it's the same thing when it comes to uh, I, I think it's becoming the same thing when it comes to uh, how fast music is allowed to kind of like iterate, uh, because, uh, again, we don't have the, the gatekeepers at the labels basically, you know, being able to say we're only going to release a Britney Spears like artist if you're not Britney Spears like mm. you know uh, if you don't fit into this mold then you're not coming out but now everybody can kind of like you know pop or or make the give themselves their their um pave their own way into uh the attention through uh, social media through TikTok through whatever. So uh, I think that like our, the music industry is going to iterate a lot faster moving forward, and we might not even recognize the landscape in 2025. We'll see. I am very excited about it. We're going to close up our section here with talking about what we've been doing, what we've been reading, watching, playing. I want to try to start doing this from now on, just kind of get us caught up in what we're doing. Um, Gaming-wise, I finally downloaded Miles Morales, uh, Spider-Man, and the Tony Hawk Remastered. I've only the, played the, Spidey the so swagger, far. The swagger of a black teen? <laughs> yeah. And, and you see it. Honestly, I, I wanted to wait and get it on PS5, but I realized that I'm just not going to get the system for a while. I may even wait for a PS5 Pro at this point. Um, there aren't many next-gen exclusive games that warrant that upgrade and the hassle of tracking down a regular system and scalping all that. I just don't want to deal with it. But from the first few minutes, I already had a big grin on my face. It just has so much more personality, seasoning, you know, if you will, and that, just that sense of comfort that I didn't feel from the original game. Okay, good. And Tony Hawk? I haven't played it yet. Uh, my vacation is next week. I may play a few rounds of that. But yeah, um, have, you been, have you been playing anything? No, unfortunately, I, I haven't really uh, even picked up my Switch in quite a while. 
Um, I, I took it with me on holiday, uh, but like Mm -hmm. I was up in the mountains and I was just like, you know what, you know, like I'm not going to sit inside all day and play, play switch or whatever. So, uh, I ended up, um, just, it was just there and I never played it. Um, so for the past month or so, I haven't really played anything. I have been watching some stuff on Netflix though. What you been watching? Well, I did, uh, in the past couple of days, I did check out that masters of the universe animation, and uh, it's called Revelation. And uh, it's a lot of people that are review bombing it right now on, you know, wherever you read. IMDb. IMDb or different places like that. Maybe Rotten Tomatoes or something. But it's received pretty good critical acclaim. And it was written by Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith is melting down that, like, the fans are, like, going off on this, basically. Yeah. Um, everyone's, uh, and anytime I hear about any instance of review bombing, I get a little bit upset. I'm just like, this is uncalled for, you know, like mm. I, I, I don't like the, the, the practice of just saying, uh, let's review bomb this thing. Um, I mean, review bomb something, a restaurant because it's racist, you know? <laughs> okay, fine. Like fair enough, you know, uh, have, have your fun. Uh, but like, is or a show like, if it's racist too, or a show, you know, perhaps if, if but this show is not, uh, being racist, it's just there's five episodes right now, and I suppose they're going to give more, but it doesn't have He Man as much in it as some people want. Um, and so, uh, because this particular story arc within the Masters of the Universe universe doesn't include as much He Man as the people would like, uh, there's a, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, uh, but the main character arc uh, is another person uh, that we're familiar with, but maybe we learn a little bit more about. And it's a it's a woman. Okay, uh, so uh, people are uh, upset that like, hey, you're turning all of my favorite man stuff into girl stuff. And then there's also uh, a very famous name for those of you who are uh, familiar with um, Grayskull. This is uh, where uh, Castle Grayskull is where um, uh, He-Man receives his power uh, or where he draws his power from. Uh, And uh, we're going to find out something about Grayskull as well that made uh, probably a lot of uh, white male people very upset. Uh, But uh, yeah, so I'll just say that the, the fact that people are review bombing this for being a little bit more inclusive is uh pretty trash and um, i i watched all five episodes and i thought it was fine i thought it was a fine mm. arc uh but uh and i'm looking forward to seeing the next episodes uh, i'm not sure how frequently okay. they're going to release it but i think that the story is compelling enough that uh i i do want to see what what happens next and where they take it from here and you were telling me in the in the chat that he-man is your generation because i've never watched he-man before yeah I grew up, I had a Castle Grayskull, um, I had the He-Man figurines, I had the Castle Grayskull that had the microphone that did the echo voice effect when you talked into it, Uh, I had um, uh, Snake Mountain, I had all of the the toys, I I was a huge, I had Man at Arms, I had He-Man, I had Cringer, I had Battle Cat, I had like all of the, all the joints, right? Um, and even when they had the She-Ra crossovers, I haven't watched the new She-Ra, to be honest, that's on Netflix. I had it in my 
queue, but I actually was really busy at that time. So I didn't get around to it. But, um, but like I, I, all of the crossovers, all of it, I was just like super into it. Like as a kid, I was, you know, I was an eighties baby. So, uh, that was my mm-hmm. generation, you know? So like yeah. when they brought it back, I feel like, you know, if someone was going to be aggrieved, you know, like I would be in that group if there was something mm-hmm. wrong with this, but there's not anything yeah. wrong with this. I'm a huge fan of expanding uh, the universe, you know, so to speak. Like when we talk about John Wick, I don't want another John Wick movie. I want a, a movie about like another character in the John Wick universe. I want, you know, a story about Caron, which is the concierge at the hotel. I want his movie, you know what I'm saying, with Lance Riddick. Um, so yeah. like I want, you know, to I don't want another 007 movie. I want a 006 movie or, you know, a 00, you know, one movie, you know. So I'm a huge fan of expanding universes and seeing things from a lot of different angles so in this masters of the universe it's not primarily about he-man and he's only in a couple of episodes but it's still like oh wow it's nice to be able to you know see these other characters develop a little bit more yeah i'll check it out like i said it wasn't really my i saw i've only seen kind of the the funny transformation process it it looked like sailor moon he was kind of like in this rainbow background and like getting the, like bro. this like moin cloth don't, don't on sailor his... <laughs> moon my guy bro don't sailor i mean come on come on he was like i yeah. have the power and, and he like starts glowing and yeah. shit and like but, the, the but like moin cloth just crams around his, his butt and come i was like come on this is uh, so there's a lot so i think there's a lot of like kind of uh fan servicey kind of stuff to the people that watch the original series mm-hmm. a lot of the same type of like quips and humor and everything are still in it the way that like they insult each other and the Mm. insults and everything are very um very much true to the kind of original series so uh i was a kid when i watched it and you know like those things were probably really funny to me and now i can still kind of chuckle at them when i think about like my childhood and think about like oh yeah that really would have hit different if i was like eight you know or something else like that but uh yeah i mean it's 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 worth watching you know um and maybe it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea but uh if you are uh, and you know like i don't know if you watched the masters of the universe movie with dolph lundgren okay um that was epic that was so so bad and so good at the same time um but like it it, yeah i I think that like for anybody who's been through that entire generation oh yeah it's it's uh two and a half hours basically they're 25 minute episodes it's five episodes so far um so it, it won't take you long to get through the story the arc uh and i think that uh, it's it's not as bad as it's not worth like review bombing just because you're mad that it's more inclusive. Word. I want to talk more about some things that I've watched. I watched Star Trek Discovery for the first time, uh, but I know you want to get in your bag about that. But I may have to wait until next time because we're, we're about out of time here. But, I'm just um, gonna say, finally, you know, finally, we might be able to get into some some sci-fi stuff and and start to get into, uh, and and maybe when the new season comes out, we'll we'll have a, a quick retrospective, and then we'll just get into like the new season and different things like that. If that new season comes out, I'll definitely review it uh, with you on the show. Pinky promise. All right, guys, uh, Draper, thank you for this conversation. This was really fun. It was really good to have you back, man. Awesome to be back, man. Thanks for uh, calling me up. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this is the show. 
Um, remember, you can find us on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D-P-U-D-P, and we are on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P, and we are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. I got it out. Thank you all for listening, and peace. Do some different music. We have all the signature to do it. Do something else.